Okay, quick heads up. Uh, this will be an episode over Iran, as you guys can see from the title, um, and an episode over U.S. foreign diplomacy. Um, but particularly, this episode will be me using like a historical timeline to kind of like comprehensively make the case to as why Iran is not really uh, the bad guy here. Um, but before I start, I wanted to just say a couple things just so you guys could get like an uh, idea of um, the lens that I'm looking through here or my ideologies here. Like you, most of you guys know I am anti-war and I am not I'm, I'm usually not really for foreign intervention at all. Um, but in this case, I just wanted to say that um, when it comes to America, as in uh, the state of America and the state of Iran, I have a problem with both states. Um, you guys hear me t- complain about Amer- uh, the American uh, state all the time. Um, but I do have some issues with the Iranian authoritarian, uh, authoritative state as well. Um, but this is not what this is going to be about. This is not going to be about uh, domestic policy and things of that nature. This is strictly just going to be about U.S. and Iran uh relations and how i feel uh that the united states has um aggressed and uh basically continued to escalate uh foreign conflicts uh in the name of money and greed um but so i mean uh you guys kind of know everything this is gonna be about so if you already hate what i'm saying and say like oh this guy's fucking stupid he doesn't know what he's talking about there's a reason why america has a presence uh in the middle east um there's a reason why you know america america has an embassy in iraq there's a reason look all i want to do is to introduce you guys to a new outlook um, I, I've realized, you know, ever since like, um, really like uh, last year when I've kind of like really shifted more left and really became more anti-war, what I realized is that like the conventional take is to be pro-war usually. And it's not because people are just like, you know, naturally neo-hawks, right? <laughs> Neocons. And they, they naturally want to kill uh black and brown people in other nations know what it usually is it's that the media has done a great job of just twisting the narrative and making it seem as if you know there's a reason for why we're in these places um so we might as well go ahead and get started you guys already know the format and how this stuff uh how, how the episode is going to be running down so um let's go So, the most complicated part about constructing any timeline, uh, besides, you know, gathering correct historical data and, you know, and knowing where to place it so, you know, you won't have a holy timeline, uh, but to me, the most important part of really constructing any timeline is knowing where to start. Uh, Because for this, I didn't have... Because I at first I thought, well, should we start in from the inception of Iran when you know European 
and Western influences uh, were, you know, trying to make their st- uh, stake in the young uh, nation. Or, like, you know, go back to, like, the days of the UN, uh, the early UN, you know, Russia, 1921. Or should I start in 1953 when uh, the CIA infamously backed uh, uh, a coup to destroy the Iran government? So, yeah, there's a lot of places to start. But what I decided not to do is not make a big timeline and go all the way back. Um, I feel like the point can be made by just making a, a small timeline, a smaller timeline and, you know, stretching all the way back to the 50s or 60s. And plus, I feel like if you could make a comprehensive timeline of something that everybody lived through or, or at least have like some hint of knowledge on, then it'll be easier for people to digest versus something in like 1953 or 1921. Um, so today we're going to be talking about I mean, I talk, you guys know what I'm talking about. But today, for the timeline, for the sake of this timeline, we will be starting uh, in 2018 when uh, the U.S. pulled out of the nuclear deal. Um, quick back- backtrack, just for people who don't know what the nuclear deal is uh, that we signed with uh, Iran. Uh, in 2015, Obama did probably... Is really uh, actually it's critically acclaimed because it has mixed reviews. You have some people who love that that Obama did this, like me, and then you have people who like hate it. But particularly for me, since you guys are watching or listening to me, so you guys want to know what I think. I feel like this Iran nuclear deal had to be the best, one of the best achievements of Obama's years. You know, really. Um, besides uh, ACA. Um, but I would really put this above ACA. Uh, the the Iran nuclear deal was really the first time that the U.S. even tried to like you know make active attempts to ally with Iran. And this was called the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action. And unbeknownst to a lot of people, uh, this uh plan of action isn't you know just the United States and. Iran. This is a comprehensive plan that encompasses many um, uh, European nations. Uh, uh, the um, signature, the the signatories, uh, meaning the people who signed the comprehensive plan of action, um, which was Iran, of course, the European Union, uh, that means the whole EU, uh, China, France, Russia, the United Kingdom, Germany, and the United States. So, you know. This was a really good plan, and this was basically set to say that, hey, Iran, you should, you know, slow down on your nuclear making. And it worked. It, this, it slowed Iran's, you know, production of making nukes. But a part of this nuclear deal was also to say, like, for Iran, it was like, okay, we'll do that. But United States, you have to understand that your, your sanctions are economically crippling our people. So in order for us to do this, we, you have to lift all sanctions. And so um, that just a brief history of what the nuclear uh, deal is. If you want to understand it more comprehensively, you could look it up. But I mean, I kind of gave you like the whole shell of it. So in 2018, Trump, the war neocon hawk that he is, uh, even though he promised to be uh peacemaking paleo conservative 
Um, but whatever. Um, <laughs> in 2018, when the United States decided, or well, Trump decided to pull out of the Iran deal, this was condemned by multiple nations. This was condemned by multiple nations, including every single signoree. Uh, I don't know how to say it, but every single person who signed the comprehensive act, uh, comprehensive plan of action condemned the United States for this move. So when you understand that, I really wanted to say that because a lot of people, uh, there was a, there's a lot of misinformation going around saying that, oh, well, yeah, you know, uh, well, the, the Iran really broke the treaty first. Like, what are you talking about? No, United States pulled out of the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action way before anybody. And, and only people who supported pulling out of the nuclear deal was, of course, Israel and Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, which is, we've talked about this guy, which is a literal racist and a literal criminal that is about to serve time now, unless, you know, he could just alleviate himself from it. But anyway, that, those are the only, that's the only nation who agreed with, you know, the United States pulling out the deal. United States is, the, the United Nations disagreed with it. The Democratic Party in the United States disagree with it. Um, Iran, of course, disagree with the European Union, China, France, United Kingdom, Australia, Finland, Finland, uh, in a, uh, Portugal even regretted uh, USA's rejection of the Iran nuclear deal. Spain even did it. Dog. And then even though uh, Benjamin Net- Netanyahu uh, was for the U.S. pulling out of the uh, comprehensive uh, plan, uh, former Israeli Prime Minister Ehad Barak said Trump's decision made the world more uncertain. Um, so there was a lot of diplomatic consequences for pulling out this war, and of course, I'm as I pull up pull off this war. Oh God, pulling out of this deal. There was a lot of diplomatic uh, um, consequences from pulling out of this deal. But why did we pull out of the deal? Of course, you know, Trump says, well, you know, Iran, uh, they're, they're, they're not living up to the deal, even though other countries say they are, and other countries want them to still, want you to still stay in a part of the deal. You just said, no, Iran's, they're, they're not living up to the deal. So uh, we're, we're going to do this huge mission. We're going to do this huge thing, and we're going to uh, take ourselves out the Iran deal. And it's going to be perfect. Like, no, and it, it, it was so fucking stupid because they really did that so they could implement sanctions on Iran. Because what happened as soon as they pulled out, as soon as we pulled out, uh, the United States pulled out of the uh, nuclear deal, we implemented sanctions on Iran. And then when we start implementing sanctions on Iran, I hope you guys keeping up, you, we start implementing sanctions on Iran, we start crippling their, crippling their economy. Crippling their nation, crippling, 
the United States implemented so many sanctions and so and, and so tough of it, of sanctions on Iran to the point to where like it crippled their uh, economy so much that you you see material conditions worsen because of it. One of these sanctions, oh God, because this, this is what pisses me off. One of these sanctions even started to affect Iranians, uh, Iranian civilians' ability to get medicine, to get fucking medicine. In May 2018, the Trump administration formally withdrew from the international nuclear agreement with Iran, known as the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, agreed upon by the Obama administration in July 2015. Over the next 120 days until November 5th, 2018, the U.S. government reimposed all economic sanctions related to Iran's nuclear program that had been previously lifted, including secondary sanctions on non-U.S. entities that could conduct financial or commercial transactions with with Iran. Uh, through the U.S. government has built exemptions for humanitarian ports into its sanction regime, bribe U.S. sanctions against Iran. Banks coupled with aggressive rhetoric from U.S. officials have drastically constrained Iran's ability to finance such humanitarian, humanitarian imports. The consequences of redoubled U.S. sanctions, whether intentional or not, pose a serious threat to Iranians' right to health and access to essential medicines, and has almost certainly contributed to the documented shortages. Now, this was in May 2018. So, when... No, no, no. I'm, my bad, my bad. This was in 2019. You know, after we pulled out of the um, nuclear deal. We were affecting people's ab- ability to get medicine. And what type of medicine was this? Ranging from a lack of critical drugs for epilepsy patients to limited chemotherapy medications for Iranians with cancer. What the fuck? (laughs) So that doesn't sound like... So literally, like, the U.S. was like, oh, well, you know, we're going to implement sanctions. And even if it it, it stops them from... uh, and it, it it stops them from getting medicines for cancer and they die for cancer. It, it just happens. It just happens. Like, what the fuck, dude? Like, oh, my God. And this is what we're literally doing to the Iranian people. This is what we're doing to them. So, after all this is in effect, Iran is like, oh, my God, dude. Now you're ta- y'all taking this shit too far and we don't have anybody to hold you guys accountable. Like, first... We, we, we're still a part of this deal. So, because, like, no, no, like, you know how normally, like, when some per one person breaks the deal, that gives the other person leverage to, like, you know, like, break it too? Like, like if you make a deal with somebody to say, like, hey, man, could, you know, uh, I don't know, put gas in my car or some shit uh, if you want me to drop you to work. If that person stops putting gas in your car, technically, you don't have to, like, pick them up the next day because they didn't put gas in your car. Like, same thing for this. It's like, like, you know, Iran was just to the point to where, like, okay. We're going to keep, we're going to stay in this deal because a bunch of European nations stayed in it. So we're going to stay in this deal, but we're going to take the United States 
to the International Courts of Justice and sue them for implementing sanctions that, that affect humanitarian aid or humanitarian resources, which include medicines. So Iran ends up taking them to, you know, the International Courts of Justice. After Iran takes them to the International Courts of Justice, the U.S. ends up losing <laughs> that case. And the, the, the verdict of that case said that Basically, the United, the International Court of Justice said that Iran, uh, U.S. is ordered to lift all new Iran sanctions. But what what did Mike Pompeo say? Mike Pompeo said no. That was a bad order. That was a bad ruling on the half of the International Court of Justice. So when we're talking about people being authoritarian, when we're talking about people being fascist, when we're talking about people not caring about the rule of law, the rule of international law. Because, again, we, we we're calling we're calling our like the right, the people on the right, y'all, people are calling our the state of Iran a terrorist state. OK, so if you're going to call Iran a terroristic state, what is the United States? How can Iran be a terroristic state when they have literally followed everything as far as international law is concerned? They kept up with their treaties. They uh, not only they kept up with their treaties, but they they like like in other words, they, they stayed in the nuclear deal. Even when the United States pulled out, they 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 did the accordant thing and took the United States to their international course of justice. The course of justice then orders the United States to lift all sanctions. And then the United States tells the international course of justice, no. So if the United States is the only one not following international law, not keeping up with their treaties, who is the real terroristic state? So time passes and Iran starts to warn the U.S. about leaving U.S. drones in their airspace in neighboring or, you know, in that same vicinity. The U.S. is just like, well, no, we're not moving <laughs> our drones. They're like, well, you know, they're not technically in your airspace. They're just like next door to your airspace. So Iran said, OK, well, we warned you guys, they're just drones, you know, we can shoot them down. <laughs> so that's what they end up doing. Iran shoots down these drones that were in uh, too close of a vicinity deemed to them. Now, if you're not, if your lens isn't altered yet, and if you're not like, you know, empathizing with Iran yet, let me just say this. If I'm Iran, of the the state of Iran, and I have, you know, militant bases around me, militant bases around me, of my perceived proxy enemy, and I have drones fall flying all over 
our our airspace. Wouldn't you be afraid? It's like the United States has literally military bases set up all around the country of Iran. If you you could see a map of it, and it's and it's so crazy because literally the U.S. has Iran surrounded. How many stations they have, are base in, in, in bases that the United States has. But again, we're calling Iran the terroristic state. <sighs> this this. It comprehensively makes no sense to me. It let, let's back up for a second. Uh, let, let's let's go back to 2003, when we originally went into the Iraq War, which is now considered a complete failure. And now it's completely demonized by not only politicians but the consensus of the whole nation. Literally, if you poll the people on how do they feel about presence in the Middle East since the Iraq War and Afghanistan uh, wars, it would be extremely unfavorable. So going back to 2003 Iraq, understanding that the U.S. has literally pop, propped up proxies and shadow wars all over the nation. But again, we're... So... Oh, my God. There was this number in... They said that... Uh, and I think it's from... It, it, it was... Uh, I, f- I forget where the number is from. But they actually... Um, did a head count of deaths um, uh, caused by, you know, U.S. violence or U.S. military violence and how many deaths occurred from 03 when, when we originally invaded Iraq to 2019. And the figure would amaze you. The figure was literally like 100,000 something. 100,000 people we killed due to either drone strikes or just accidental civilian deaths. But again, Iran is the terroristic state. Okay, but... So, after going back to the timeline, so after Iran warns us about the drones and the drones get shot down and everything, this is when, you know, proxy wars between the two, two, two groups... Uh, which is Iran and United States escalate further. Uh, again, now, have they been having like proxy wars? Ha- has America been having like you know pr- uh, proxy wars in the Middle East, like in places like Syria, the Syrian rebels, and places like uh, the Kurds? Like, yeah, of course. But at this point, this is when we're getting. This is when the the cat is coming out the hat. The rabbit is coming out the hat. I, I guess that was terrible. But this is but this is when shit is start to pop off. Basically, um, this is when uh time has passed and Iran is then accused of attacking two oil tankers, um, and uh it was I think it was the Qom uh, uh 
I, I suck at, you know, like, saying Arabic things. Like, I, I suck at the Arabic language, so, and, and Farsi, all that. So, uh, forgive me if, like, I can't pronounce things right. But, yeah, the Gulf of uh, Omen, uh, of, uh, I think, yeah. And it was basically, oh, no, yeah, it was the Japanese oil tankers. And... Yeah, and basically Iran was allegedly was allegedly behind those oil those two oil tankers being attacked. But the thing is, it's heavily debated if they attacked those oil tankers. There is actually U.S. intelligence says that Iran has been attacking oil tankers. Um, and what oil tankers would would do, it would like, like cripple, not, not cripple the U.S. economy completely, but what they do is it's like economic warfare essentially, because, you know, these oil tankers is, is what people use to power a lot of energies. So, um, U.S. intelligence says that they believe that Iran is up to these, you know, oil, uh, these two oil tanker uh, attacks. Um, but Places like uh, Japan actually came out, uh, which, you know, the company that was actually shipping the oil said, like, no, well, let's not say uh, it, it wasn't Iran. We don't think it was Iran. Uh, there's not enough information to say it was Iran. So these things were heavily debated. So when you hear people talk about these oil tanker attacks, remember, there's not real f- proof found in it. It's just U.S. intelligence versus other intelligence. Um, so it, it's hearsay initially. But while all of this is happening, Trump is still increasing drone strikes in the Middle East, me uh, simultaneously revoking the mandate set under Obama that required U.S. intelligence to take count of civilian deaths done by drones. Yes, this happened (laughs) Uh, throughout this whole time. While, you know, drones are still being sent to the Middle East, while, you know, airstrikes are still being done, proxy wars are still being had, you have... Trump say, well, let's get rid of that Obama mandate that uh, showed and told us how many civilian deaths occur, you know, from drone strikes. Now, just to give you an idea of how many deaths are being covered up by this. Obama in the Obama years had over a 90 percent civilian death rate with drone strikes. In other words, with the blind spot, with the blind attack of drone strikes, you have a super majority, a super chance of a civilian of civilians being killed in mass numbers. When Trump got into office, those civilian deaths just increased. But then he said, let's remove the mandate to where where we have to report those deaths because we shouldn't have to report those civilian deaths because I mean they're <laughs> they're really, they're not human those people aren't human so why do we have to report their deaths that makes absolutely no sense so he he does it he says oh man fuck that shit and so again if your lens isn't being altered right now I don't know what to say buddy I don't know what to say buddy so. Literally, we are droning people 
and not even taking the accountability, the accountability to record the deaths that happened from it. Now, who sounds like the terroristic state? So, we this is when we start coming into relevancy now. This is when we start coming to what the now, right? The present. Um, next on our timeline is when the U.S. finally sends drone strikes that kill 24 members of the Iranian-backed militia. And then right after that, uh, since... Uh, right after that, protesters gather together in retaliation and say, "Hey, man, this shit isn't cool. Like, <laughs> this shit isn't cool. Like, 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 why y'all trying to bomb them and shit? Like, we're getting killed in the process, and like, we have to duck, and we're scared of you guys because we have to live constantly under this fire and under this pressure and in in under fear of Western imperialism. So." protesters stormed the U.S. embassy in Iraq. Now, uh, Donald Trump says that uh, this protest was, you know, propped up by, you know, people like Somali uh, and, you know, the Iranian uh, forces. But it, it that that's kind of like a very cheap claim to make when you understand that, like, is it possible for protesters to be hella mad at, you know, the United States for bombing them constantly? Yeah, like it is totally understandable. So it's like, <laughs> like that's a very cheap claim to make. And again, at this point, if you if you think that the again, I don't when it comes to organizations like the CDC or like the Human Rights Campaign or like ACLU, when it comes to uh certain organizations, even the FBI, you know, when it comes to certain even certain intelligence. I do still can trust. I, I I do still have some sort of trust in some organizations, but when it comes to strictly the administration, the White House, I don't trust shit that come out of there. After these Afghanistan papers, bro, I don't trust shit that comes out of the White House office. So again, Donald Trump has zero proof of this. This is just hearsay. And if you're if if you can appeal to the authority of the uh, the president that is Donald Trump to say that oh well Donald Trump said it so it must be true, fuck that okay <laughs> fuck Donald Trump and no, uh, so yeah prote- protesters stormed the U.S. embassy and you know attacked the embassy, uh no no nobody ends up dying though, uh it is just a protest a violent riot and and, and like a riot at best not you know anything worth killing somebody over so then trump says iranian military officials planned attack on embassy and had other attacks planned and they had some more attacks that were going to kill more american people so that's when trump killed uh kwasim salamani um and again i'm so sorry uh for my uh mispronouncing Mits, uh, mis, uh, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my uh, mispronunciations of like uh, Middle Eastern, like Farsi or Arabic uh, tongue. I'm trying to get better at it. But anyway, 
uh, this is when Trump uh, says, like, hey, yeah, let's kill this Qasim Somali guy, because, Soleimani guy, because um, Pompeo briefed him on, a, a, allegedly briefed him on an attack that he had planned. Now, uh, if you guys uh, keep, uh, been keeping updated, uh, yesterday, Iran officially attacks um uh, a base, a military base, housing uh, military troops um, with rockets. Now, uh, no reported deaths happened from the rockets, but uh, I guess this was just a message that um, the Iran Supreme Leader and, you know, the state wanted to send to you know U.S. And I remember the foreign minister of Iran even came out and said that we don't want a war. We don't want any escalation. But you have to understand that, and this is, it was just a sign, it's like, you have to understand that you bullying us is no longer, no longer, you know. And then that's what they're saying. And even the Iran Supreme Leader came out and said that when our people uh, uh, start chanting death to America, it's not death to the American people. We're not talking to the people. We're just talking about the government and its military, And one of the saddest things that I've seen throughout this whole situation, right, is that this ability, f- and, 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 and it's just sad to me because this is why I hate the rhetoric of Iran being a terrorist state, because they're not. Now, authoritative, and they, they do have problems, and they do have issues domestically, but when you talk about Iran's willingness to always be the bigger person in something uh man uh because between iran and you not in the united states iran is the one that's carrying themselves like a nation with actual foreign diplomacy right like we're gonna respect deals and treaties that are made we're we're gonna respect these things and when a country has did us wrong, we're not going to just, you know, launch a war with them. We're going to take them to court. We're going to do all the legal process. We're going to carry ourselves as a nation. While meanwhile, the United States in regions of West Africa and the Middle East, the United States just carries itself as an empire. We have to understand that our conventional takes on what goes on in the Middle East isn't reality. It's just not reality. For 18 years, you had three different presidents lie to you about wars that soldiers were fighting. For what? Opportunism. That's what. For capital, that's what. For oil, that's what. You have to understand that all America is doing in these regions is trying is is making and folding and in creating and molding an empire. 
When are we going to fundamentally uh, ethically understand that it is not right for the United States to have a, a global presence, a global military presence all over, all, all over the world? It's not fair to the Iranian civilians who have to deal with constant drone strikes in fear of Western imperialism that it might kill them. It's wrong for us to send our our uh, 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 civilians and make them to, to, to send our soldiers into war and not for for preemptive measure for for uh predatory actions taken by the United States government not in self defense. Well, Jalen, what about the Somali guy? Uh, 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 you know, what, um, a Soleimani guy. What was? What about the Soleimani guy? Uh, what about him? Like, is you know, he's a bad person, right? Like, he killed a lot of people in the Iraq War. Yes, he killed a lot of American soldiers in the Iraq War. But you know what happens? Like, when you're when you were a soldier with a gun and you go into a a place unjustly. Because, I mean, that's what we debate in Congress. Like I said, Iraq war is conceived as a complete failure. So, understanding that, we can look at historical context and understand, wow, U.S. soldiers were in Iraq unjustly. What people got to understand about Qasim Soleimani was that just as somebody as uh, somebody, let's say, I don't want to say anybody from the Trump administration, but let's say somebody like John Kerry, uh, who was anti-war until he became secretary of state. I always appreciated John Kerry, though. Because he has the same patriotism for his country that any other people would have for theirs. And that's what Qasim Soleimani had. And when you understand the lens that he had of watching Western and U.S. imperialism literally kill his people, of course he would have an anti-view towards the uh, United States government. I expect that. But when we talk about his accomplishments, people got to remember that for a lot of Soleimani's fighting, he was on the right side <laughs> for this. Not only because I, I know I've seen this going around that Soleimani fought for ISIS. Yeah, yeah. He not only fought off ISIS, but he was like one of the most integral parts of fucking fighting ISIS. And making in reestablishing uh, uh, al-Bashar... Assad's regime. I always fucking fuck that guy's name up. But no, like establishing his establishing his regime. He played the most important part. <laughs> the coup for the 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 for the Quds forces played the most integral part when it came to capturing ISIS and ISIL operatives. 
But what what you guys also didn't know is that Qasim uh, Soleimani was also integral in capturing Taliban uh, uh, militant officials during the first raids into uh, invade, uh, raids into Afghanistan. So as soon as the war of Afghanistan happened, Qasim Soleimani was on the right side. <laughs> And even for domestic issues, he stood up with student protesters against the government. He stood up with student protesters against the government. Oh, my God. (laughs) And then, unbeknownst to most people that uh, don't follow this uh, stuff in depth and they only see what, you know, the media gives them. Soleimani was actually allegedly on a peace mission in the district of, in, in, in uh parts of Iraq before he, he was killed by the US government but is all of this like i i i just want people to look at this and understand a different lens. When I'm talking about empathizing with Iran, I'm not talking about empathizing with a supreme leader or, you know, any head of any state of that matter, anywhere. No, but sympathize with the people. And not only the Iranian people, but Afghani, uh, the Afghani people, the Iraqi people, people in Pakistan, you know, the Kurds, Syrians, we literally, we have the Gaza Strip, Palestinians, oh my God, the Israeli, the Israelis that, are, the, the Israelis that are caught in a crossfire, like, we have to understand that these people are dying because of Western and U.S. foreign intervention. No, like, are there terrorist groups in, like, these places? Yes, there are terrorist groups. Like, ISIS, bad. ISIL, bad. Um, Al-Qaeda, bad, right? But when we understand things like Al-Qaeda, people like uh, Al-Qaeda, uh, Al-Qaeda, where did Al-Qaeda come from? And if you ever heard, and in, 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 if you guys ever heard Something that, oh, well, uh, Al-Qaeda was basically a CIA-backed militia. And, yeah, so shit like that. Have you ever heard that shit of somebody saying that Al-Qaeda is like this fucking CIA-backed uh, fucking uh, 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 militia? If you ever hear that shit? Just know that they're absolutely right. <laughs> they're absolutely right. That Al-Qaeda technically was made in, 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 by the United States. Like, I was just saying, the, United, the CIA technically had a stock in making what is Al-Qaeda. What, what is Al-Qaeda and what would be the people who would launch the 9-11 to attack against us. How you ask? Well, you got to understand that like people who 
made Al-Qaeda, uh, which are two important names that you guys already know, and that's Abdullah Azam and Osama bin Laden, these people were part of the Soviet-Afghan War. And in the Soviet-Afghan War, they were part of a collective Maoist guerrilla warfare group named the Mujahideen. The Mujahideen. And if you guys, and, and, and I know some of you guys who are like action like nerds and love action movies, y'all like, man, that sounds familiar. Yeah, the Mujahideen was fucking in Rambo, dude. <laughs> they were fucking in Rambo. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so Osama bin Laden came from this group called the Mujahideen where the United States actually funneled and gave them money. Osama bin Laden actually lived in the United States for a period of time. So even when you're talking about like terrorist groups and like, oh, United States has to be there for that. Well, some of these, most of these terrorist groups were even prompted by the United States and supported and funded by the CIA. That's why I say the United States has a literal empire across seas. But in the meanwhile, we want to say that, well, Iran, like, is a, a terrorist state and they, you know, don't follow laws. And, like, actually, there's a big chance that we might have to, like, you know, go to war with them because they're building nukes, nukes and, like, they're making nukes. And, you know, people like Donald Trump could, like, implement sanctions on Iran because they're making nukes again. Like, my thing is just, like... Why are we scared of anybody making nukes? The United States, like, that makes no fucking sense. Like, like literally, this is why people are afraid of us, because we're dumb sleeping giants. Like, like, like it, it's like people look at us like, what? Like, like literally, like, how, like, okay, tell me all the, like, nobody can tell me this. But I want, after this, I want people to tell me all the countries that ever dropped a bomb on a nuke on any country. Historically, there's only been one country that's ever dropped a bomb on any other country. Do you know what that country is? Yep. If you guessed Iran, you're right. Iran is the only country to ever drop. <laughs> I can't even do this. No, you fucking dumbasses. The only country to ever drop a bomb on anybody was the fucking United States. A nuke. The only person, only people to drop a nuke was fucking United States. But we're the policemen of the world. <laughs> we're the saviors of the world. And I and I say this with such like disdain, with a, such a disdain, because it's just like, you know, I had my dad fought, you know, for, you know, our country. Yeah, I have plenty of people who fought for our country. My cousins fought for this country. And unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, I could say that, you know, my uncle Lando or my cousin uh, Isaiah, or my dad, I I can luckily say that like, hey, yeah, I didn't lose people from them, from from these wars. But I just feel for the person who are 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 the woman who lost her husband in an Afghan in in, in Afghanistan, and just to see these 
you know, papers, these Washington Post papers come out, basically proving that the Afghanistan was all a lie. Or I have to think about one of my classmates whose dad died in Afghanistan, right? And just watching her cry, you know? I have to think now is like, I remember that, watching her crying about her dad being dead because he was killed, you know, bravely through, you know, intrepidly in, in war. And just for these papers to come out, right? To see that people from George Bush to Obama to Trump been lied to us. Just to continue a narrative, bro. Just to get oil, just to get money from Middle Eastern... Fuck, I can't do the rest of this shit. This shit agitates me, bro. It really does. It really does, man. I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to end this episode abruptly. Uh, 45 minutes in. We did enough. We did a good job, you guys. Uh, thank you for coming along, uh, listening uh, to today's episode. Um, if you really like today's episode, just um, share it with your friends. Um, I know this is a lot to unpack. Um, if you have anything, any disagreements or just anything that you wanted to add a value to this episode, make sure to reach out to me. Um, if you ever want to just, uh, be on the episode, be on the podcast and talk about this stuff, then reach out to me, man. Uh, remember, uh, to stay up to date on all new episodes, all new E2 stuff. Uh, follow us on our social media platforms. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, like on Facebook, um, yeah, like on Facebook, uh, share, um, uh, like on Facebook, follow on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you guys so much for uh, sitting out and listening to this rant. Um, but um, I'm out. Peace. <laughs>